Brothers and sisters, it is so good to be gathered together in the, in the name of the Lord. And just like that, that last uh, song we sang, I won't forget. We won't forget because He is faithful. He reminds us. And I know that we can all, we can all identify with singing a song like that and, and having a check in our heart of, have I really been thinking about it? Have I really been considering the cost that was paid? And uh, by His mercy, He draws us back. Right. So as we as we look to the word this morning together in consideration of communion, uh, may we just may we just call to him and just look to him together. OK, let's pray. Father, we are thankful, Lord, for another opportunity to gather in your name. God, thank you. We give you thanks for the day. God, we give you thanks, Lord, for the love that you just shower upon us. God, we give you thanks for your mercies that are new. God, we give you thanks for your grace that is sufficient. And God, we give you thanks for the gift of the Spirit that guides us, that teaches us, that comforts us. And I just pray and ask, Holy Spirit, come, move among your children today. Even in the midst of thoughts of preparation, Make it so much more. So much more than words that I speak, but maybe you speaking to us and stirring us and reminding us and equipping us and drawing us. Thank you, God. Even now, we give you thanks for what you are about to do because we wholeheartedly look to you alone. Please guard my tongue, God. Please help me. Help me to discern thoughts and just help me to yield to your prompting and direction. It's all for your glory, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, family, this morning, I had a couple thoughts and um, I spoke with Brother Kenny and Brother Brian and it's so easy for the flesh to step in in relation to thinking of uh, speaking, because there's just just things that's, that, that come to mind, well, that's not going to be very long. Like, that has any bearing on truth, right? I mean, God can take one word and just mow us down in awe, right? And so I just, I confess that, and uh, I just, I'm thankful that He is so much bigger than me. And as I was considering the communion time we were about to share, there were a couple questions that came that I want you to reflect on with me. Um, because may God protect us from this ever becoming routine where we would just get in a line and file through and pick up a piece of bread and pick up, pick up a, a little cup of juice and then file back to our seats having not considered Him. So that was on my heart this morning. And the questions that I'd like for you to think about as well is, there were two. What do I think about as I eat the bread and drink the juice? That was the first question. And I'm pretty sure, probably for all of us, that might change sometimes when we come up. And that could be a good thing, as God reveals more of His truth and brings certain thoughts to mind as you partake and deepens your your thankfulness and your gratitude. But it also could be 
variance of whatever else is going on in our daily lives, and we completely miss it. Okay? So the second question that I had was, what would Christ have me consider as I eat the bread and drink the juice? I don't know if that changes. <laughs> okay? But consider that. What do you think about when you come and partake of communion? But even so much more than that, what would Christ have us consider and think about when we come? Okay? So let's look to the Word this morning because I don't want an answer that just pops in my mind. I want the Word to help guide our hearts as we prepare to come. Okay? We're going to look in the Word together for clarity as we consider these questions. And we're going to be in... John chapter 6, and we're going to do a lot of reading, okay? I was going to try to, I got one, thanks brother. I was going to try to summarize and then start on a particular verse, and it was like, why? (laughs) I can't summarize it better than the Spirit speaking His words that He spoke to be written down, right? So we're we're going to read it together. And there's parts that I didn't even catch before. And I'm going to point it out. Maybe you've seen it before, but I was like, that's there? I didn't... Okay, so we're going to look at it together. Okay, this is John chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 15. And by starting at 15, this is right after Jesus had fed the 5,000. Okay? And that is glory in itself. Right? But we're going to pick up right after that. So right after the people had come and... And they had the loaves and the fish, and they divided it among, and then Christ said, go pick up the, the, the leftovers, right? And people are like, whoa, what just happened? And then we're going to start in 15. So there was my quick summary, and then here we're going to read. Verse 15, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force, why? To make him king. Did you get that? There's their motivation. They were just amazed about what had just happened. Whoa, he's our guy. We're in when now when we think if they're going to make him king, it's not king the savior, the great I am. It's king. He's powerful. He can help us in the midst of this Roman oppression. Okay, you with me? It says. When he had come, he perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. He departed. Jesus left again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. They got in the boat and they went over the sea towards Capernaum. Capernaum, sorry. And it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles... Okay, quite a little ways, right? They had rowed about three or four miles. They saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near to the boat. This happened, guys. This is not fairy tale storyland. This is reality. Our Savior Jesus was walking on the water. They were three or four miles out in that sea, and here he comes walking. They, it says, so when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat. 
I didn't catch this before. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. I had never seen that before. I mean, I was, anytime I've ever seen that, I was so amazed at the, the miracle of Christ walking on the water. But did you realize once he was in that boat, instantly they're at the land where they were going? Had you ever caught that before? I had never considered that before, but if they're that far out, I don't think he was walking on the water and then as their boat hit the land, he stepped into their boat and then all of a sudden, no. God is miraculous, right? I don't know if you caught that. That hit me this morning. I'm like, wow, I'm not going to try to summarize that because that's there and I want people to see it if they've never caught it before. So instantly they were at the land where they were going. On the following day, So that was throughout the night on the following day when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea, so this is the individuals that had witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. They were there, and now we're talking about them. They're on the other side of the sea. And they saw that there was no other boat there except the one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered that boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away. So they'd done some reasoning, right? His disciples got in the boat. They left. Christ wasn't in the boat. Where's Jesus? Right? And it throws this little, however other boats from Tiberias near the place where they had ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. There was other people coming, right, in boats. But these people who knew Christ had been where they were, he'd gone up in the mountain to pray. His disciples had gotten the boat and left. Jesus wasn't with them. Where's Jesus at now? It says, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into their boats and came to Capernaum. Why? Seeking Jesus. Why are they seeking him? Think about that. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? So they're like, they, they had a sense of something else happened. We saw, we saw feeding the 5,000 yesterday. Now Christ was not in the boat when his disciples came over, but all of a sudden now he's over here. Something happened, right? They're seeking after him. What was their motivation before? Christ sensed that they wanted to make him king, right? Okay? I think that motivation is still there. And then Jesus answered them. They asked him, how'd you get here? We're, you know, we've been trying to, we've been looking for you, been seeking you, God. And this is what Jesus said. Most assuredly, I say to you, You seek me not because you saw the signs. So he's revealing their heart here, right? You seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. You got some bread and you were amazed by that. And now you're wanting more. And this is what Jesus said to them. Do not labor for food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. He's speaking about himself, right? He's saying, don't be amazed at the bread that you ate. Don't seek after that. Seek after the one whom the Father sent, right? And they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? He had told them about food that that endures to everlasting life. Well, I want that. How do we do that? What's what do we got to do to get that? So they eventually they eventually uh, they start thinking about works. What do we have to do? Listen, 
Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. You talked about God's sovereign hand. That's it, Brian, right there. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. There is a picture of the sovereignty of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep drawing our hearts to this as we wade through some of this. We are going to see pictures of the salvation is of the Lord. Amen? It is. And here's, here's a picture of that. The work of, this is the work of God. How do we, how do we have the food which endures to everlasting life? And Jesus said, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. And therefore the people said to him, well, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? They had just seen and witnessed a miracle, right? Now they're saying, okay, well, what are you going to do? What sign can we see? He says, what, what work will you do? And then they reminded Jesus, right? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're talking about a miracle that they had just witnessed. Now they're saying, what else are you going to do? And by the way, you know, God, and he, he sent down manna from heaven, you know, and, and then Jesus said to them in verse 32, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Are they catching this? They're thinking about manna, right? They're thinking about loaves of bread the other day. They're they're missing what Jesus is telling them. And then Jesus said to them, and when they and when then they said this to Jesus when Christ said this for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world verse 34 then they said to him lord give us this bread always are they thinking about an individual they're thinking about bread i want to eat this bread that endures to eternal life bring it lord bring it verse 35 and Jesus said to them i am the bread of life He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. He's talking to these people and he's telling them, you're not understanding. You have seen me and yet do not believe. Next couple verses, as we're reading through some of this, I did not want to cut this out to try to get a summary to a different point. I want us to reflect and be in awe of God and how salvation is solely from the Lord. See if you catch it as we go through these verses. Jesus said, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Verse 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him, who the will of Father, who sent me. Now this is the will of the Father who sent me. Is this kind of resounding? Right? Are you reflecting this? This is the will of the Father, that all he has given to me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Are these people catching this? It is like, 
right? Completely not relating to what Jesus is saying. And he's telling them, you're looking at me, you're seeing me, you're not getting this. I came to do the will of my Father. All that He has given me, I'm not going to lose any. I will fulfill that which God the Father has called me, called me to do. The Jews, in verse 41, the Jews then complained about Him because He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, the Jews said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose mother and father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I've come down from heaven? They're blind. Verse 43, Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. Sovereignty of God. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up the last day. It is written in the, in the prophets, And they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, and that is who? That's Jesus, right? None has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. They were talking about manna. Reminding Jesus of, you know, God sent manna down. Jesus is telling them, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are what? They're dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread, what's the bread? Listen. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now, I don't know if you've considered this much, okay? but I thought, oh, thank you, Lord, how appropriate as we come to partake of communion this morning. Right? Because they were so caught up on physical bread and they were thinking about manna from heaven and eating this. And Jesus is saying, I am the living bread. And the Jews are going, what? The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? By the way, this is all happening in the synagogue at Capernaum. (laughs) Seriously, at verse 59, we're going to find out this is where all this has taken place, okay? They're in this, Jesus is talking, and the Jews are going, uh, what? How can he? Isn't this, this, this the son of Joseph and Mary? And he's saying he's bread alive. Now he's saying, supposed to eat his flesh. What does Christ respond to them in this? Verse 53, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Think about that. God who knows all things has all knowledge, all wisdom, and he's assured of this. (laughs) Wow. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. 
For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. 59 says, these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. (laughs) Can you picture this? The day before Christ had fed the 5,000, people were just in awe and just stunned and like, We've got to get this guy to lead us. He's the one. He can take them all out, right? He's all powerful. And then that night, they don't see him going to boat. The disciples go, and somehow he's not there the next morning. How did he get over there? we got to go find out, right? And we're reminded of the power of, and might of Jesus, how he was walking on the water. It, it scared the disciples. He comforted them, got in the boat. Then they were where they were going. The people from the day before... Not, he's not here. Let's get in our boats. They got in their boats. They went over to, to seek out Jesus. They found him. And they're like, how'd you get here? And he's telling them, you're seeking me for the wrong things. You're seeking me for the wrong things. You see me, but you don't know me. And we're reminded of Jesus and why he came. He came to save those that the Father had given them. And those that the Father had given him, he would not lose a one. And we'll see in the Scripture, apart from the son of perdition, right? And Jesus knew that as part of of God's plan, his sovereignty again, brother. I love how he weaves things together. And so he's telling them this, and, and they're saying, well, then show us a sign. Show us a sign. You received a sign. It wasn't from Moses in the Old Testament. It was from the Father. They ate the manna from heaven. But guess what? They're dead. They don't get it. They don't see it. And then he just blows their mind in the synagogue where he tells them, I am the bread of life. If you're going to have life, you're going to eat of my flesh. You're going to drink of my blood. And it can you imagine in that synagogue... All these people who were like, yeah, gee, what? Right? Because honestly, be honest with me. Has there been times when you've read this in the scripture and you go, what? I mean, really? Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood? From the world's perspective, nothing good can come of that. Right? Guess what? This is not of the world's perspective. God's ways are higher than ours. God's thoughts are higher than ours. And Christ is speaking a mystery that they can't comprehend, but His ultimate truth, if we're going to have life, it's because we've partake of His body. If we're going to have life, it's because we've drank of that blood of Him. Right? All of this in light of as we prepare to come for communion. What do we think about when we come to partake of communion? Christ is speaking of it here in this synagogue. 
and people are just, whoa. Now, the thing that kind of struck me was, it not only stunned the crowd, but it also troubled some of the disciples as well. Right? And we're going to pick up with that in verse 60. So this is just, again, I told you we're going to read we're just coming right through this. With last thing, verse 59, he said these things in the synagogue, going straight into verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, they, they were like, whoa. He just went way too far out on that limb, right? How can we even, I don't, I don't get it. When Christ realized that, this is what he said. Listen to what he said to him. And this he said this to them. Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Are you wanting just to see happy, glorious sights? You know? Are you gonna are you gonna believe and trust in me if it's that, but not gonna believe and trust in the truth I'm saying now? Now here it is. Verse sixty three. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit. And they are life. Christ knew what he was saying. He wasn't speaking to their flesh. He was revealing and speaking in the Spirit. But he says in verse 64, but there are some among you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not, who did not believe and who would betray him. And Jesus said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. In statement, after all that Christ had shared in that synagogue, he puts a period at the end, it's of God. No man can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. And what happened? Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. He had revealed one of, and affirmed one of the greatest, the greatest, three greatest mystery in history about himself and for people to come to know the salvation of the Lord, it has to be through Christ and it has to be to such an extent and manner that you you eat of his body, you drink of his blood. That is spiritual language and it it knocked them away. They're like, I can't have no, I can't have any part with that. And they went away. Some of them went away. 67, then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So what Christ said was spirit and life, right? That is true for us today. That is true for us as believers. As we read the word, what he is speaking is spirit. That means it is helpful and beneficial to us today, right? 
That scripture that we read in John in that synagogue where he's saying, eat of my body, drink of my blood, that wasn't just to scare off unbelievers. Okay, That is to strengthen his children. So as we consider this morning why we come, as we consider what we think about as we come and partake of the bread and the, and the juice, these words of the Spirit are so foundational to us. Let's examine them together. And examine them in light of God, show us in your word what was hidden from the people that they did not see. Let's look together. John chapter 6, verse 27, and then verse 29. Again, this was in response to the people saying, you know, how'd you get here? And Jesus saying, you're seeking me for the wrong things. He's telling them, don't labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. So he's reminding them, don't come looking for food bread that you saw multiplied the day before, come looking for food that endures to eternal life. And then verse 29, he says, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you what? That you believe. In verse 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. Did you catch verse 29? Okay, if not, I'm going to read it again. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. Okay? So believing, believing, we're going to keep seeing that as we go. We're going to go to John chapter 6, verse 35 now. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Who comes to me, he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Did you see it again? Believing, right? Verse 29 says, the work of God that you believe in him whom God God the Father sent. Verse 35 said, he who believes in me shall never thirst. It's about believing. John chapter 6, verse 40, and this is the will of him, the Father who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up the last day. Again, everyone who sees the Son and believes in him, right? John chapter 6, verse 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing this? This is all in relation to thoughts of eating the body, drinking the blood. Now, now listen, as we're coming to the table. For Jesus, eating is believing. Do you catch that? Don't get caught up in the physical aspect of the terms, eat of my body, drink of my blood. It's not a picture of that. Okay? It's spiritual. Okay? Believing, having faith, is a gift from God. That's not of ourselves. Lest anyone should boast. Well, I believe so much better than you. How? Why? No man can boast of faith. Faith is a gift. Okay, when Christ is saying, if, if you want true life, you will 
eat of my body. You will drink of my blood. Not physical. Get away from the physical thought. This is spiritual language. This is having belief in who Jesus Christ is. When he says, I am the bread of life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? It's, we're not thinking, when, when he says that, we're not thinking about some kind of physical loaf standing here, right? Because we believe spiritually he is the son of God. He is the bread of life. So he promises eternal life to those who believe him and believe what? We believe that his death, what this reminds us of, right? We believe that Jesus' death, the breaking of his body, the spilling of his blood, pays in full the penalty of our sin. We believe that. And that his perfect righteousness is freely given to us in exchange for our unrighteousness. We believe that. When we come and we partake of this bread, we partake of this juice, we believe that Jesus died. We believe that his body was broken in punishment. And we believe like what Brian read this morning. It pleased the Father to crush him. We believe that. We believe that it happened. And we believe that he did that in in our place. We believe that he took the wrath of God the Father on his body that was broken and beaten. The God the Father just crushing his son because of the penalty of sin. We believe that. When we come and we drink of the the juice, we believe that His blood offered the only offering that can cleanse us from our sin. We believe that His blood gave the only payment that could be made that our debt might be canceled. We believe that. So when we come and we partake and we eat and we drink, we're drinking in faith and believing that Jesus is who He said He is and He is the one, the only Savior, the only one who can come and redeem those people that the Father had given Him. And He is the only one who can keep them, who can make sure that they stay. He's the only one. When you come and you eat and you drink this morning, what are you thinking about? We're thinking about Jesus. And we're saying, thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm eating this bread. Oh, Jesus, I'm eating this bread. Thank you for your body. I believe, Jesus. I'm drinking this juice. God, I thank you for your blood, Jesus, that was shed. I believe, Jesus. I believe. Believing is how we eat Jesus' flesh. And believing is how we drink Jesus' blood. And we've had so many discussions and talks about it's not something that transfigures here on the plate or in the cup that then all of a sudden we're forgiven of our sin and then all is wealth until the next time we screw up. That is not about this. This is about a completed work which Christ has done. God has given us a manner and a way to renew ourselves to this truth to help us remember what He has done. Communion is a way to honor Jesus And it's such a tangible way for us to be reminded of what He's done. It's a tangible way for us to partake of that spiritual language that He said in John, you must eat of My body. You must drink of My flesh. You must be united with Me. That's what this is. This is why He instituted the Lord's Supper. He did not want us to forget the very core of what we believe. When the crowd, including some of Jesus' disciples, took offense at his talk in the synagogue, Jesus exposed their unbelief. 
and this is John 6, 30, uh, 63 and 64. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. As we approach the communion table this morning, may we echo the heart of Peter who didn't walk away in unbelief, but instead said to Jesus in verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe. We believe Jesus. And know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, brothers and sisters, may that be our heart as we come. As we come and partake of the bread. As we come and drink the juice. Let it not be routine. Let it be us reflecting on the the Spirit and how he was, Jesus was speaking spiritual language about eating His body, about drinking His blood, about being united with Him, our Savior. Yes, remember the physical beating that happened. Yes, remember the blood that flowed physically. Oh, but just bask in the spiritual God the Father pouring out His wrath on His Son, that body that was crushed, that wrath that was emptied on His Son. Think of the spiritual implications of the blood as it flowed down and covered our sin. It paid for the debt that we could not pay. Think of that as you drink from the cup and agree with Jesus. As he said, I am the bread of life. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the reminder that I desperately needed today. God, thank you. And I pray that as your children now consider what your word has said, Jesus, what you had proclaimed about yourself about your sovereignty in the midst of drawing people to yourself. Thank you for the reality of knowing salvation is of you, God. And then as we reflect on how we approach the table this morning, help us to consider. And I ask, Holy Spirit, move among your children. If there be anything in anyone's life, in anyone's walk, that is contrary to your word, and to your desire for them in their life. If there be any sin in their lives, in my life, God, I just plead, Father, grant us a heart of repentance. Just break our hearts, God. Help us, Lord, to cry out to you in confession of our sin and trust that you say you are faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. May none of us come this morning and partake 
in an unworthy manner. Jesus, because this, this is to glorify you. You told us to remember you. That's why you, that's why you gave us this picture in the Last Supper. Jesus, you are the one who initiated this. And it's because you knew we needed it. I need it, Jesus. I need to be reminded of your body that was broken and what it means. I need to be reminded of your blood that was shed, Jesus, and what it means. Just grant us grateful hearts this morning. And Father, I just ask and I plead, Lord, if there be someone here that just has a heart of unbelief, you know who they are, if there be any. Just like Jesus knew when he was speaking this, he knew those when he had said this about his body being eaten and, and, and people drinking the blood. He knew those who were not going to believe. You still know. And I just ask, Father, if there be any, that you would please, Lord, in your mercy, grant the gift of faith to believe your word today. Grant them the gift of faith to see their sin and see apart from the only atoning way that you provided through the shed blood of your son, Jesus, without that, without believing in what Jesus has done, there is no hope. There is none. Only one way. And that's through Jesus Christ. So we give you thanks for this time, Lord. May you be honored in what we do. God, guide our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.